Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two of my chat with Frank Burton of the Ragbag Podcast and author of Everything I Am. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would strongly recommend going back and listening to it because it will make part two make a lot more sense and the conversation does continue on quite a lot, so it would make a lot of sense. But if you haven't seen it, then no worries at all. Proceed. Before the chat gets started, I'll give a couple of quick bullet points of what you can expect. Uh, Essentially, we continue our chat on sort of generational differences uh, that is explored within Frank's book. We also speak about some of the stigmas that come along with tattoos and also head shaving. Funnily enough, Frank's got quite a good story about that. Then we delve into some of the characters within the novel, um, within Everything I Am, his book, um, speaking like opinions of certain calibers. We go on a discussion of talking about authors whose characters voice their opinions and Frank's sort of views on that sort of thing. Um, we speak about audience demographics, some challenges that come across of voicing different characters. And then towards the end of the chat, we kind of get into a, a semi-long discussion on social media and Frank's opinions on why he no longer uses it for promoting ragbag or his books and things like that so it's a really interesting chat a lot of cool subjects that we touch on but that's generally what you can expect just before the chat gets fully started there will be a quick promo for the room podcast now i've had a guest on my show called aiden rosewell he has the podcast days of my life and he also has the podcast called room and after him my show and we got talking and things he asked me to try out and do a little bit of voice work for him and i'm in the first episode i'm in the one which is on the 8th of april the episode is called All Roads Lead to Room. And as I said, our 8th of April, I play one of the characters in that, which it mentions within it. And I had a lot of fun. So, you know, make sure you guys go check that out. There will be a link in the description. Uh, and if you haven't already checked them out, I did appear on the Ask Win podcast a little while ago. And I did appear on the Friends in Your Ears podcast as well. So lots of things to check out if the normal genuine chit chat schedule is not enough of hearing my voice. Many people probably think it's too much of hearing my voice, but I will leave that to you guys. Anyway, that's enough rambles from me. So, you know, thanks as always for listening, guys. I do really appreciate it. Um, Once this chat with Frank is finished, then I'll be back at the end to give an update of sort of what's going on over the coming weeks, guests, that sort of things, and my Star Wars comics and canon show. So, you know, thanks as always for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you then. Nobody told me love could hurt like this Remember the night when we first kissed do you? Do you? It can be a struggle to keep positive, given everything that's happened. And while we were connected, we could forget the darkness. And in the beauty that I saw when I turned, I forgot myself. I lost myself. If I don't watch my feet, they may well lift off the ground. This is quite exciting, really. I feel like I'm at the start of a great adventure. This is just like some kind of movie. That we are being looked after, and that we are loved, always. For more information about Room and how you can support the show, find us on Twitter at RoomPodcast1. Thanks for listening. See you around. Are you ready to die?
Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Um, but the, the, there's quite a few things in, in the book about kind of, uh, you know, intergenerational things and like the contrast between um, Frank Jr.'s generation and Frank Sr.'s generation. Yeah, that, that's kind of a... Yeah, that, that's kind of an interesting thing that just sort of came out. I wasn't really thinking about those particular themes when I was writing it. They just sort of came out, you know, as part of the story. And um, it, it's just interesting to mm. kind of uh, dwell on these things uh, in a way. Yeah, just the way that... Uh, because um, yeah. a, a central part of the book is that Frank Sr. and a bunch of his friends have got this secret flat that they are hiding from their wives and partners. And they they're renting it that they that they each sharing the rent on it, so it's not a lot of money that they're paying into it. So they can hide their financial arrangements from from their partners, and um, but they're not doing anything like sinister there. They're they're not like cheating on the wives or anything like that. They're just kind of going there to chill out, and it's kind of like a, a, a few of them describe it as a place where they can go to be themselves. And it's kind of like um, sometimes you get the feeling with like my parents' generation where there was a lot of not being allowed to be yourself. You know, um, everybody sort of had to be the same as each other. Yeah, it's interesting because at that era, there's there's a lot of things there. I want to hear more about this in a sec, but there are a lot of things where like, you know, nowadays we've got sort of the sway of the opposite way where everything is so okay, it, to some degree it gets a bit ridiculous in certain ways. I'm not talking about transgender or anything, I'm fine with, you know, LGBTQ, etc. But like, some people just come out with really ridiculous shit and then it's just like, oh, but it's their opinion, you're fine to say it. Whereas you see, you go back when, even I mean, my dad was born in 49, so... He was born like shortly after the war. So he's quite old and things. And he was telling me when he was growing up and things, he's like, yeah, like linking back with what you said about children. It's like, yeah, me and the guys, when we were like eight years old, just five of us grab a tent, go down to like a random bit of woods near just somewhere and just camp there for the night. Just tell our parents, oh, we're going camping. And you're like, okay, bye. See you later. But whereas it's really oddly freeing in that regard, everyone can kind of do what they want and no one cares. But with the social stigmas, obviously, I think in, in England, I think it was till the 70s, being gay was illegal. And I remember finding that out a few years ago, and I was like, I'm sorry, I knew it was different, but it was illegal to be gay. I was like, what? And that was like, yeah, in the 70s, it became, and I'm like, so hearing of these things, that what you were saying there, aligning it, is, is it, it's, it's, it's almost, as someone who's so young and clearly naive, I was like, people genuinely weren't allowed to do anything. And my big bugbear at the moment is tattoos of people getting annoyed if I've, I've got tattoos on my arm and things and people get annoyed by that but I'm so lucky that now I can even have a job whereas some people they you had a tattoo in like the 80s or 70s you wouldn't get a job yeah, anywhere yeah. so it's, it's weird these sort of things yeah it's, it's one of those things that um just, and my parents are, are really very liberal people you know but um they that they do have certain things to do with their age and one of them is tattoos they hate they, they can't stand people with tattoos my sisters have all got tattoos <laughs> like and uh, every time my sister said oh, i'm gonna get another tattoo you know well, oh, well don't show it to me i don't want to see it <laughs> and um i i had a i had a phase as, as a teenager because it was it was it was cool to uh kind of shave your head when i was in the 90s and um it was they. It couldn't stand it. They, it was the worst. It was the 
I've never disappointed my parents more than when I shaved my head. They they couldn't, <laughs> they just couldn't stand it. You know, it was like the worst thing. But but you know, they 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 were remembering back to the the seventies and like racist skinheads and stuff like that. You know, um, they they kind of associated it with kind of that really negative sort of image of like skinheads. Whereas in the nineties, it was just cool to shave your head. You know, it, it wasn't. I'm not a fascist. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like some sort of like a name of a like a t-shirt segment for like a, a comedy film about Nazis, <laughs> which is a really weird concept. Although Jojo Rabbit is a film about Nazis, it's a comedy film, so maybe. But um, with with the tattoo thing, is that my my dad? One of the things. Um, some people know when they listen to the show, they know that um, I have I have two Star Wars tattoos on my arm, and um, one of them specifically, the first one I got was a sort of homage to my dad, uh, Darth Vader, and then Obi Wan and Anakin fighting the fight that made Anakin into Darth Vader, as you know it, combination of the prequels and sequel, uh, prequels and original trilogy, Dad's generation, my generation, and I say this to people. But what I don't tell them a lot of the time is that my dad was one of those people who absolutely despised tattoos. <laughs> like, he, my brother got one, and obviously my brother's like 20 years older than me. My brother got one, and my dad used to I remember when I was younger going, oh, people who got tattoos, they're the certain kind of people. And I was like, yeah, but, but Rob's got a tattoo. He's like, well, that's different. And I'm just like, okay. And when I was that young, I didn't really understand it. And then... <clears throat> Because dad's kind of passed, well, kind of passed away. Because dad's passed away, uh, and I want to get something. Uh, I thought, you know what? I'll get this tattoo because I know how much he hated <laughs> tattoos for basically that sort of reason. I was like, I can commemorate you in my own way, but if you're going to tell me like I can't shave head or have tattoos, I'm going to do exactly what you don't want me to do, just to spite you in like an endearing way. And it, it, that's the shaving head thing is quite funny. Of that, it is even with really liberal parents always. My parents are pretty liberal in the majority of ways. There's just these old little threads where for some reason they just can't it's this one thread and they're like nope i hate that thing so but you're okay with all this stuff and this one thing is what really gets you so yeah can't, i hate it can't stand it my auntie is the same aunt. whenever i get a new tattoo or she's like i don't know why i don't want to get tattoos so like, okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry to disappoint you <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> disappointing in-laws and family members and things but with um with some of the other things that sort of the things that crop up in the uh in your book as well what i want to ask about is a lot of the things that frank senior says a lot of them i do agree with because i think we discussed a bit earlier he's a quite a, a logical man and that sort of stuff but like did you find a caveat a caveat a other thing is i've spoken to other friends of mine who are authors and they've said sometimes in their books they like to have an opinion about something and so they have a character say an opinion of theirs in in that sort of realm did you did you find any of the characters in everything i am had that sort of thing um, excluding music because i know that yeah but but i i kind of have a rule where if if i'm putting my own opinion into one of my characters mouths i shouldn't be doing that uh, because i <laughs> you you quite sometimes you can get away with it but quite often you can't and quite often you read mm. a book and there's a character talking and they're saying something uh you know they've got some kind of opinion oh here's what i think about brexit you know what i mean and uh and it's just that's just the fucking author's opinion you know what i mean it's it's not mm. and therefore you're not a proper character you know what i mean you're just mm. like a, a spokesperson for the author. Whereas 
I try to come out with things that I either I don't agree with or I do agree with it to a point, but the, the character's taken it too far. So Frank Burton Sr. Mm-hmm. is a is a good example of somebody like that, where he I, I agree with a lot of what he says, but he's run away with it too a, a way too far. So like he's he's got all these opinions about uh, let's see what's um what's a good example actually. I'm just trying to think now. The promises. As he says one of the yes, about keeping a yeah. word and promises and stuff. He's like, yeah. So um, he he's kind of like all, all all promises are lies. So everyone who tells you, I promise you that I'm going to do this, they're lying because they don't know that they will keep that promise. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. They're basically lying to you. And he applies that to every single area of your life. So marriage vows. That's bullshit. You know, and, and, and uh, any other kind of promise that you can make, that that's that's just just they're just spinning you a line. And Frank Burton Senior is a salesman, so he uses a lot of he he, he sort of um, he relates a lot of what he says to his job. So th- this is what I would do if I was trying to sell someone a car. You know, I would tell them this, mm. but I wouldn't mention that. <laughs> you know, and. Um, yeah. So, and and he's right about a lot of things that he says. He's right about, but he's uh, he's he's a bit of an extremist. So I wouldn't say that mm. Frank Burton Senior's opinions are my opinions um, because they're not. It, it's just kind of uh, he's he's taken some ideas that I've had in my head and he's he's had his way with them. Whereas if if I was if I was to have Frank Burton Senior sitting there saying. Uh, you know all this Brexit nonsense. I think that you know, and and it, it's just me giving my opinion about Brexit. You know, and then he he w- he wouldn't mm. be a stronger character. He just wouldn't, be- because people would be reading that and mm. thinking, oh, here's what Frank Burton thinks about Brexit. He's he's put those words into his mm. character's mouth. It takes the emotion out a little bit. Yeah, and you see it a lot. You you you'd see it in in a lot of a lot of books, particularly one. And and, and I I really do try to stay away from overtly political subjects for that reason as well because it would just come across like i'm trying to get a message across but that's not what i'm trying to do what i'm trying to do is tell a story Mm. no um because people can you know uh and just in in this book in everything i am it's like um there's certain like i don't want to call it issues necessarily but let's say like there's there's gay characters in the book and um, it's like I'm not writing it in a way that to say that oh homophobia is really bad, isn't it? Or like um, gay people are all right, aren't they? <laughs> you know, I, I, I just I, I'm taking the position where I just assume that the person reading the book agrees with me that LGBT people should have the same rights as heterosexual people. Now, the reader may not have that view. The, the reader may have a different view, but I'm not going to change their mind from writing my book. You know, so I'm not going to preach about it. I'm just going to, uh, yeah, here's some gay characters. Uh, there you go. Um, you know, you, you might notice they're just the same as the heterosexual ones. Make of that what you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, there's, no, there's, there's no message there. There's no, the, I'm not kind of preaching about it. I'm just saying this this is real life this is what these people are you know mm. this is this is the way things are 
That's what I quite like about with Frank Burton's character, Senior, that is, um, is that when you say about some of his opinions and things, I remember hearing some of them and going, oh, no, I do agree with that. And then he'd continue the train of thought and then he'd go, oh, no, this is this is much too far. And so you saying that it is interesting because <clears throat> I'm sure you've done this just by listening to the book, which is a very weird sentence to say, listening to the book. But um, some of the opinions that are in that, there are very... Very cleverly done in the sense of sometimes I, I imagine you do this. Just I'll have a thought about I don't know as an example why are traffic lights done this way? And I'm not saying there's a problem with traffic lights. I will just think I wonder if there's a better way to do traffic lights. And with an example of traffic light, there's not. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to think of one. But I think of like loads of random little things of just the way things are done, and I kind of look at them and go, I wonder if if they were done this way, what would happen? And then I normally get to the conclusion of oh there's some huge catastrophic failure that I haven't thought of when this thought first came into my head. That's clearly why escalators don't have a button to go double speed or, you know, these ridiculous thoughts. So I was thinking that it's almost like some of the the thoughts in that, in the book, almost in a way, like kind of just a thought, but you you kind of let it run away. But that runaway thought pattern is actually the thought pattern of someone else. Like someone like yourself with a fairly balanced opinion on things who's not trying to push their own agenda. If you... The promises one as an example, you may agree with it to a degree. Yeah, promises, although for me they're important as, you know, honour or something, there is nothing that actually does force anyone to tell a promise. They can say, my mum's going to die, and they're not actually going to die. I, I figured that out like when I was 10. It's not – people know that if you say, I swear my mum's life, if you break that, it's not some weird Harry Potter spell that comes out and takes the life of your mum. It, it's just things people say. So I found that a lot of the stuff had very interesting and balanced opinions. It sounded like almost – runaway thought experiments in a sense but not as much as the 100 was if you see what i'm saying yes yeah yeah um well uh, i'm trying to keep the the ragbag world a little bit grounded uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um another one of the rules that i have is that everything has to be plausible and, and everything mm. has to be so, something that, that could feasibly happen in real life um and even with the more kind of slightly bizarre characters like um like the noddy character who is is i love he's called he's called noddy because he um he uh he got that nickname in prison because he was pretending to be mute and so it all you get from him was a nod or a shake of the head so people called him noddy because he didn't know his real name and um and frank doesn't know his real name and he's like um he's he's like a master of disguise and he comes out and he adopts all of these different personas. And one week he'll be somebody else. He'll be a completely different character. And then he'll turn up on Frank's doorstep. He'll be in a different disguise. And um, he'll be a different person. He'll, and he'll, assist on being, he'll insist on being addressed by a different name. And um, he's, he's a completely out-of-this-world kind of character, you know. But also, it could be true. That, that he could be a real person, you know. There's nothing about him that that um, is is not doing magic or anything, you know. He's 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 a real person in the story, and but you know, so you you can you can push plausibility to its limits, is what I'm saying. You know, you can go to a certain length. You can go as far as you like with that, as long as it's in some way believable. And it's quite and it's and it's being running alongside characters who are. By contrast to Noddy, they're quite normal. So because he's hanging around with people who are quite normal, he suddenly seems quite normal as well. That's that's my theory anyway. 
with interacting. I, I really like it when he's doing um, you know, one of his disguises, uh, shall we call it, and he's talking to someone, and you've got f- obviously the characters he interacts with don't know he is nodding this air quotes martial disguise but obviously frank burton um jr does know that so it is interesting seeing like this this perspective of watching someone communicate with someone you know and they're not who they say they are and then coming out and then changing and then go to talk to someone else and it's like this weird where as you say it is plausible if you're good enough at doing impressions obviously you did all the voices, so you are good enough to do this sort of thing. Maybe you're secretly naughty. <laughs> well, the thing, the, the interesting thing about this, and the convenient thing, is that um, some of the accents that naughty because I, I was doing the, <laughs> I was doing the audio book myself, um, so I was doing all these different accents. Now, I I can do accents sometimes. I can't do all the accents under the sun, and um, so I set myself this challenge of, um, you know, I, I deliberately did accents that I could do. So um, because I created the Uncle Claude character because I can do that accent. So and it's quite convenient that Uncle Claude is the brother of Frank Burton Sr. So they've they've even though they have a very different voice, they've got the same accent. They speak at different registers because Uncle Claude's going up here and I, 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 <laughs> Frank Burton Sr. Frank Burton Sr. is down here. You know, he's, he's down here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's it's the it's the same voice but at a, diff, at a different pitch you know and um so because i can do that accent that's okay but noddy has, has got so many different accents that i became invested in doing this audiobook and doing all the voices myself and i was like oh, okay shit how am i gonna because i can't really do a scottish i can't do a scottish accent very well but uh, and there's a chapter where noddy is a Dressed as a traffic warden called Trevor, who uh, who has a Scottish accent, and so I gave it a go. But the thing is, the, the way that I justified this to myself was that it's a fake accent. He is di- that's not his real accent. It's a fake Scottish accent. He's not a Scottish character. He's an English character who's doing a Scottish accent, a fake one. Therefore, my shit Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it because, like, I I didn't think that your Scottish accent was shit, but obviously listening to it, I wasn't like, this person doesn't sound one hundred percent Scottish because you go into it knowing that it's someone doing an impression of it. So obviously, if you already know that, then it's not as yes. bad. So that's a quite it's a nice little uh, clever way of getting <laughs> get yourself out of the hole in a sense. Yes, yeah, and um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It was because the, the last audio book that I did, I did all the characters with the same voice. I was like, okay, everyone's got the same voice. That's it. They all got my voice. <laughs> Whereas this one, I was largely because of Uncle Claude, who's got his own voice. Because I, I couldn't, I couldn't just have Uncle Claude's voice. Because <laughs> Uncle Claude's already got an established voice from the podcast, so I had to replicate that. So therefore, everybody else had to have their own voice as well. So, you know. I liked it. I think in the next book you should. I mean, the 100, If I think if you'd have done voices for everything like that, you'd have got a medal or something because obviously where <laughs> not every story is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You've got like one story where it's just one person and they go on this journey and talk to like 12 people in one short story that's only like, you know, 15 pages long. So the, the chapter itself is only about six minutes of actual audio when I missed the audiobook with like 12 different characters. You'd have to have such a ridiculous palette. It would just be implausible. <laughs> But you've done it yes. really well with the ragbag ones, though. It's done uh, 
So I expect that now from you highly. In the next ragbag books, you've got to keep up all these crazy <laughs> accents and stuff. It's good. And actually, as a matter of fact, I don't know why. I don't know why. But um, most of the people who listen to the ragbag podcast are American. And um, just looking at the stats, um, that's just the way it's worked out. Um, and I, I make a big thing of this in the in the podcast as well. I keep referring to it all the time because um, it, it's amazing how often like a, a British a reference will pop into your head and then you have to be aware of the fact that most of your listeners are American then you have to explain it to them what that thing is and then you can have a lot of fun with that you know it's it's like mm. there's so many different things that Americans so many different bits of British culture that Americans don't know about you know and so mm. whenever there's the opportunity to whenever something pops up I'm like yeah you don't call it that do you Americans you're saying it wrong you know, and, and just sort of make a joke out of it, you know, um, that they they seem to like it, that they're coming back yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, you haven't, you didn't see, oh, I've got some American <laughs> listeners. Let's put a few jokes in the next week. Oh, there's no American listeners anymore. <laughs> That's a good one. I found with my show, actually, there was, um, I have quite a high amount of American listeners, but it seems to be dependent on almost the month like i remember i was looking at it it's i showed someone um i don't i try not to watch my stats too much because i find that there's a lot of people who especially in some of the facebook groups and stuff i think we're in they just go mental for it you know they go oh my god i get a thousand downloads per episode and in this episode i got 990 what am i doing wrong please help me and you're like okay calm the fuck down you know take a step back <laughs> yeah. i i try to just i don't really look at the stats much but i blowed an episode once a week so generally i'll have a glance just to be like you know making sure it hasn't gone from like a low standard number to like a million overnight because if that was the case i'd be like oh <laughs> but you know um what I found was I, I I was looking at it once and I saw it was you know, mainly UK and stuff. And then the next week or two, it was like disproportionately the US. I think it was like three quarters America. And I was like, what? And I went to show my mate um, who was I think around the following day. And then I showed them and then it swapped back again. Like as in the, the just because of the, the screen, the sort of the snapshot it shows you, it's more so just what's in the last day or two where the highest percentage of people were. And it does seem to flip between them. And then it's just quite funny seeing on the stats occasionally just like one random person in the Philippines or just one off person, you know, in of, of these other places. But it is kind of brilliant that it goes to all these different places. And I have often thought like, are, are Americans liking my show because – being of my age where the, the sort of the media is kind of <clears throat> you know kind of the english media and american media is kind of clobbing into one almost in a sense you know we've still got downton abbey and a few and doctor who and a few bbc shows but the, the media we consume is so much american now i wonder if maybe that's why there's american listeners or is it because they really like our accents or what and i've tried not to spend too much time thinking about it regardless of how i sound like i've spent hours mulling this over um but i have kind of thought about like what did what do the Americans like about the show? Is it just they like the show, they don't care I'm British? Is it because they like the British weirdness? Do, do you know what I'm sort of <laughs> rambling off into nothingness, but do you know what I'm vaguely getting at? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're getting at. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've, um, I've, I've often wondered kind of why most, I, I mean, with me, it's I've, I've got very few listeners in the UK. Um, it's uh, at least 90% American. And um, mm. there's uh, there's different because I I kind of uh, play music from all over the world so I've, I've got quite a lot of different countries as well. Um, I uh, interviewed a, a musician called Kalika who's from an Indian background and he doesn't he doesn't actually live in India but he's he must he must have a lot of fans there because um, I had a huge kind of whoosh, 
spike in uh, listeners from India. And the, the nice thing is they're still with me since, uh, since a few oh. months ago. Um, you know, so it, that, that, that was good. Um, so I've, <laughs> I've uh, retained a few of them. And yeah, just sort of a, a lot of random places, really. Um, yeah, I've got a, a couple from uh, Iraq. Um, mm, a few oh, really? from sort of yeah yeah I, I think I've covered every continent actually yeah I, I think I've got oh, listeners wow. in each uh, but it's it, it, it's like America is United States America is whoosh, very big um, quite a few Australians more Australians than British people mm. um, still Brit- <laughs> Britain is way down no. um, <laughs> I don't know why I don't know what I'm doing wrong with the Brits because um, I, I I think I've got a, a very British kind of sense of humour, you know. I thought it it would appeal more to to British people, but apparently not. Uh, so, um, the way it goes, I'm not compl- I'm not complaining about it because I'm happy with the uh, I'm happy with the fact that people are listening. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't really care where they're from, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not going to post on social media. Suddenly, Frank Burton hates Americans listening to a show. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty bad thing on social media. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, oh, I, I'm I'm off social media now. You know, I've I've completely mm. um, ditched the whole thing. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Ask about that. What what kind of was there anything in particular that sort of brought that on? Or are you just kind of sick of it? <laughs> I've always hated it. Always. I, I've and um, the, the, also I I just came to the conclusion that it wasn't doing me any good publicity wise. It just, mm. and I, I've been proved to be correct. I mean, the I, I came up social media, I, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe two or three months ago, and the podcast is getting more listeners now than it was when I was on social media. Oh, wow. Um, it's, there's no benefit to being on there, you know. And I've, I've been thinking about that for a while, you know, that uh, people who follow, people who are following me on Twitter, a lot of them, weren't listening to the podcast they would just follow me on twitter because they wanted me to follow them back and mm. you know things like that and um just um facebook i really didn't get much interaction from that at all so that that was a bit of a lost cause and instagram i got into that a little bit late and it just wasn't for me <laughs> i just didn't mm. like it so i, I kind of yeah. had an instagram account for a while then deleted that and then obviously you know what I mean, and the thing is, it's, you know, social media is quite addictive, you know what I mean? And a lot of people are addicted to it. And I think this is going to be a, a big thing in years to come because it's not being addressed properly at the moment. As in, smart, uh, not necessarily social media addiction, but smartphone addiction. Uh, smartphone addiction. Because um, social media is one of the things that will keep you hooked on your phone and keep you sort of locked into what's on your screen rather than interacting what's around you in the outside world. And, you know, for me, I think one of the big reasons for me coming off social media is that I was spending too much time looking at my phone rather than interacting with my kids, you know. Mm. And I've, I've got these people right here who, who I should be interacting with. Rather than doing that, I'm, I'm looking at some dickhead on Twitter <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, who 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 I've got no interest in, and I've never met, and and mm. you know, instead of spending time with my kids, I'm spending time with this dickhead. Yeah, you know I mean, it it doesn't make doesn't make any sense whatsoever for me to be doing that. You know, there's mm. no benefit to me. 
and there's no benefit to anybody else. It's, uh, you know, and I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think smartphones are, are the new cigarettes. You know, it's mm. that there was a time when, when, when smoking was fine. It wasn't considered a health hazard, even when, and I think we're at the tipping point now where people are, are starting to come to a realization that actually smartphones are bad for your mental health. And it's the same, it's the same process that people went through a few decades back where smoking was the norm. People would just smoke all over the place. You know, it was part of society. People were just doing it all over the shop. And now instead of people smoking all over the place, people have got a phone. It's the new, it's, it's the new habit, you know? Um, But Mm. I I, I do think, I I don't want to sound like a a fucking old man, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But, but, uh, but I do, I do think we're, we're, we're coming to a point in society where people are starting to realise that actually these things are really bad for you, and people mm. are committing suicide because they're because they're spending too much time looking at Instagram and imagining a world in which um, everybody else is better looking than them. You know, that, that, that's just one little example, but it's like um, there's lots of other things on your phone that are addictive as well. Even if you come off social media, there's still there's still games. There's still um, things that can suck you in to you know staring at your phone instead instead of experiencing the world. And I think that you know. Well, it's it's funny you say. It. I mean, with with you saying you're becoming an old man, it's it's not at all. I've got a friend of mine, uh, Reese, who's actually been on the show a few times, and he's like nine days older than me. So unless I consider that being an old man, then uh, which I definitely don't. He's um so he's my age, millennial, twenty five, and um he's off Facebook completely. Um he's he never was on Twitter. Um he's off Facebook in the same way that you are, which is. He doesn't. He's still got a Facebook account purely on the basis that some people contact him through Facebook Messenger, um, generally because most people use that instead of it's either that or WhatsApp, which are both owned by Facebook anyway. Um, but he doesn't have a Facebook uh, profile that he has updated ever. Uh, he doesn't have Twitter. He has Instagram, but I don't think he really uses it at all. He's read it a bit more. But he was talking about it, and um, some of my other friends have never really been massive into social media, and I found that. I would occasionally post on, before the podcast, I would occasionally post on Facebook. I didn't have an Instagram. No, I did have an Instagram, but I would post like once a month or something. Uh, and then I would never use Twitter. I had one and didn't do anything with it. And then once I got the podcast, it went from sort of low usage and low interest to now it's high usage, but even lower interest. Like I've said on this show before, and I'm I'm quite upfront. I try and be as honest as I can with my listeners for the most part. But I do say to them, normally at the end of my podcast, rarely in the middle, I just say, I really fucking hate social media and I can't stand to promote my podcast on there. And it sounds so good. Like, if you see my social media posts, generally it's, oh, the new episode out with, you know, I'll do it with this one. Obviously, I'll be like, you know, the new show out with, you know, Frank from Ragbag Podcast. We had a great chat. It was really fun, really enthusiastic. But in reality, I fucking hate posts on social media because I have to just write all these bloody hashtags. I write this description and make it sound like people want to listen. And the thing is, is that, I would come off social media, but the problem is with purely on the basis of the way my show is of having guests is if I don't have a social media um, presence, getting a guest every single week will become way more difficult because some people won't even 
go on your show unless you can promote on social media, which is just obviously part and parcel of the air quote industry of podcasting I'm, I'm in. But it is that thing of like Facebook is a waste of time because they've put so many bloody algorithms in. You have to pay so much money to do anything. They basically just completely suffocate any chance for anyone to do anything. I mean, there's the guy, um, the rapper Scroobius Pip, and he's him and Joe Rogan are basically the reasons I started podcasting. And Scroobius Pip, when Facebook changed the algorithm, he went from, he's like one of the biggest uh, YouTubers in the UK, and he was having all his posts have like tens of thousands of views and likes and things. And then within the space of it, I think it was like two or three months of Facebook doing this algorithm, it's gone down to like a few hundred. And he's like one of the biggest podcasters in the whole of the UK, and he's getting like, no one can see his posts on Facebook. I think he checked it and he was like, he did this little vague experiment. And he was like, everyone who can see this, even if you don't care about my show, can you just like this post just so I can have a vague gauge of how many people are actually seeing this post? And he posted afterwards. And I think it was something ridiculous, like 2%. And obviously not everyone's going to specifically like the post anyway. But he was saying that the disproportionate amount of effort you have to put in and often facebook now is always asking about money and boosting posts and things instagram are owned by facebook now so they're going to slowly start doing it and their algorithms start doing it and then twitter is so inundated with everyone who doesn't really care what you're saying and what you said really resonated with a lot of the people on twitter follow you and they're only following you because you're they want you to follow them and i found that quite a lot of podcasts where it's quite a lot of podcasts that if they follow me on Twitter or Instagram, my general rule is I'll follow them back because it's yeah. you know, the done thing to do. But none of my numbers haven't really changed much. And I know most of these podcasts have never listened to mine. And obviously I haven't listened to a lot of their podcasts, but it needs to get to that point where I kind of look at podcasts now. And if they've got a hundred thousand followers, well, I go, well, how many people are you following? Oh, a hundred thousand. Well, what, what's the difference? If I take your followers away from the following, what's the numbers? A hundred. So for well, that's, really probably the amount of people actually care like a hundred and that's kind of what mine's a little bit like like my yeah. general yeah. listenership is almost see what i'm saying so i i do i get i agree with you i completely do and i really hate social i hate posting on social media and it's always a chore when i try and do it and i've thought about it on the other occasion being like oh should i just get rid of facebook should i but i'm thinking oh i recommend i recommend it man it'll save you time and you, you can use that time because the thing is i was i was spending a lot of time on um trying to come up with like things to say on social media I, I was spending ages doing it absolutely ages and it was um it's a complete waste of time because i'm not i'm not getting any new subscribers from it all i'm doing is maybe interacting with people who follow me on social media but don't necessarily listen to my book and aren't necessarily um you know definitely aren't interested in reading my books you know what I mean? Because uh, I think, it, particularly in 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 the in the book world, I think promoting a book on Twitter is just you you might you might as well just you know jump off a cliff, man. It's <laughs> there, there, there is there is no there is no way someone is going to uh, read one of my tweets about my book and go, oh yeah, oh some guy's tweeted about his book. Yeah, I'll buy that and read it. It's not going to happen. It's, that's not the way to do it. It's just, yeah. And so, so many writers, so many writers and authors and, you know, comic book writers, illustrators, and, and all these people are on Twitter all the time just prom- trying to promote their books and stuff like that. And it's like, why are you doing that? You, you could be doing much more productive things. You could be writing for a start. That would be much better than doing what you're doing right now. You could be writing right now. You'd be writing another book. 
<laughs> and you, you could be promoting the book in other ways. And actually, the way to promote a book is to kind of interact directly with people, which is what I'm doing now. I'm talking to you about a book and to your listeners mm. about the book, which is good because I'm interacting directly with people. If I was, uh, you know, I've done things in the past where I've, I've kind of been out and done kind of readings, uh, you know, to audiences and kind of met up with like book groups and enthusiasts and things like that, actually going physically to meet people. That, that is the way to promote the book because they will buy a copy off you. I will take a stack of copies with me and they will buy a copy off me and say, can you sign it for me? And I'll sign it for them and I'll write their name in the book and be a really nice little personal thing for them and a nice little interaction for both of us. You know, that is what writers should be doing to promote their books, getting out there and talking to people about it. Mm, I agree and with you. And just, just, you know, but, you know, uh, the, the podcasting world is, is kind of different because podcasts are online. It's an online thing. You can like, and it's free of charge. So like, <laughs> There have been people. I'm not. I'm not sacking it off completely because there have been people who have clicked on like a link that I've I've put on a tweet or a Facebook post and gone. Oh, I really like that. I discovered you through Twitter. Um, that was nice, wasn't it? And that and that that is nice. It's it's good that they discovered me through Twitter. It's nice. But you know, on balance, it is not worth my time. It's not worth the hours that I spent. And I literally spent hours each week doing social media shit. Uh, and but but a very little return, such such a little return, you know. Pat- yeah. Particularly with books. I mean, with the podcast, it's with the podcast, it was okay. With with books, you, you like I say, you might as well just just go and jump off a bridge because there's no that you with are. a t-shirt on with the book on it, <laughs> and then that'll get more publicity. <laughs> if I walked around with with it, if I walked around in the physical realm with a t-shirt with a picture of my book on, that's good because I'm interacting with people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's definitely an interesting thing. I mean, because it is with that sort of the social media and the, the, the facelessness of it, but with the in real life and the book and that sort of interaction is, it, it will mean more to people. And then even if you want to be, even if it's almost like you can still get it through secondhand social media in a sense, because if you're going out there and you meet these people and you're getting a face and you that, they'll be like, oh, I really like this book. I'm going to tell other people about it. And then they'll, in theory, kind of do that work anyway. It's a sort of, that's what I kind of say to my listeners normally at the end of the show. I would go, you know, I don't spend any money on advertising. I'm not going to waste too much time on it. But if you like the show, tell other people. And, you know, if people really enjoy it, they will tell other people and eventually it can kind of wrap up and do it. But Yeah, that 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 is that is the good thing about social media. The good thing about social media is for for, for people like yourself and myself, who have got things that they want to promote. The good thing is, if somebody likes it, they will put it on social media. And people who, like, if if one of my friends, I, I mean, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but if if I was on <laughs> fa- if I was on Facebook, um, one of my friends posted something and said, "Oh, I've discovered this new book, or I've discovered this new podcast, or whatever, and I think it's really good." I would definitely check it out. Because it's a friend who's recommended it to me, uh, you know, and that that it that is that is a good thing. That is, um, but but it's it's a secondary thing. I don't need to be on social media for people to be doing that. Mm, yeah, exactly. It is one of the things. Well, I think 
it's interesting. I think what you were saying before, where you mentioned it, sort of comparing it to smoking and um, that sort of the way people view it, 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 I think it is going that way. And I think that nowadays, what's slowly starting to happen is obviously, for a while, it was you know people wanted stuff, you know, and they wanted this stuff, that stuff. They don't really care necessarily on the quality. Obviously, there was for a very long time it was you know everything is almost like a meme before memes were a thing of like everything is made in China, just everything because cheap, blah blah blah. Whereas now, what's happening is because you can go on amazon or ebay or whatever and you can you know type in you know oh, i need new headphones or i need new aux cable for my car oh how much is it 25p from china with free delivery it won't get it for three weeks but it's better than going to hmv or whatever and it's like that kind of idea is now it's peaked i find and now personal and handmade things are making a comeback in a sense where so many more people now i think like there's been so many resurgence of there's like these hipster cafes and places where you just go and it's just loads of chairs that don't match with a couple of handmade tables and then there's five things on the menu the five things are amazing but that's it and it's like i think now what's quite nice is due to the as a symptom of this oversaturation of everything the things that are actually really cool are now getting a bit more light and i, I wonder if over as the internet evolves however it's going to if things are kind of going to go up and down like that where it's like people really into social media and then everyone's going to realize it's really bad for you and everyone's going to go off social media and then the new next level of social media is going to come in and then it's going to be this kind of weird sort of cycle if you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it's i hope it doesn't well, it's, <laughs> but it's, it might it's difficult to predict what is going to happen but i i can't see things carrying on the way that there are in in their current form you know, mm. just just my just a hunch that I have, but I there, there there's so much sort of toxicity. I can't say the word out loud. Toxicity, <laughs> toxicness. I know that's not the word, <laughs> but I can't say the real word on Twitter in particular. But other social media platforms are going that way as well, and I just I think there's going to be a turning point where people just turn their backs on it and go for something else because people are going to realize that it's not healthy for them to be doing that. And mm -hmm. at some point that is going to happen and things are going to change, but I don't know what, I don't know whether they're going to change for the better or the worse. I mean, they might change for the worse, Potentially. Uh, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed because fingers I, crossed you know, human a, a lot, a, a lot of the things, a lot of the things that you see on social media and it's part of the social media addiction is that people get kind of addicted to uh, outrage, you know, and things like, um, I, the, 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 the big thing that really wound me up about using it because I, I, I hated Twitter the most, but I used it the most. I, uh, <laughs> so, so figure that one out. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but the, just the one thing that I, I just, I, I just couldn't get my head around it is that people kept retweeting things that Donald Trump had said and that you're just retweeting Donald Trump even though even though you're adding a top adding a comment saying look at this dickhead and, and or, or, or words to that effect sometimes it was a bit more eloquent than that but it's the same thing you're just retweeting things that Donald Trump has said and you're you're just kind of you're helping him out mate you know what I mean and I just, I just couldn't get my head around it. it was, there was so many people doing it as well, and I just had to block them all. I just, I, because I, uh, you can mute words as well. I muted, I muted Trump and Brexit and all that sort of thing, and and still there were things that were creeping through all the time. It's just, oh, oh, look, look, somebody said something else now. 
some guy <laughs> said something else. Look at this guy. Oh, I haven't muted him, so I've I've got to see what he's got. <laughs> you know, and I've got to mute him as well. You know, and uh, I think people are addicted to that. They're addicted to the outrage behind it, and the, you know, the the right wing are, are just as guilty as that as the left wing are. Um, but you know, I, I I tend to associate with left wing people because that's that's kind of my my bag. But um, you know, they wind me up as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm in the similar That's boat. That's why I try not to get involved in politics. It's just, it's just, it's just, just people arguing for no reason. No, I completely agree with you there. Um, I t- it's getting kind of late uh, now, so and so we're going down the rabbit hole for social media. We've been on it uh, for quite a while, and I think yes. Well, it's probably worth uh, us easing off on that sort of uh, now. So I'd say as it's getting quite late, it's uh, obviously fortunately we're both in the same time zone. We normally have a guest who's in America or something and they're like, it's the middle of the day for them. And me, I'm like, oh, it's getting quite late. I'm getting a bit tired now. So we'll, we'll wrap things up in in a moment. But um, it, it's been absolutely great talking to you. And I, obviously, I really, really loved the book and I can't wait to read the others. But um, before we wrap up, is there any sort of um, final words you want to say? I'll include links to all your stuff below, but any final words and etc before we sort of close out um yeah i think uh, what have i what have i not said already just what all the things that i've already said i'll repeat those two now there you go wonderful <laughs> but um i do, do uh do please check out my website uh frankburton.co.uk um i have a video series on there which i'm very pleased with uh called which is part of the ragbag universe also um it's called the ragbag rambler and um, it's it's me uh, wandering around the streets of various different cities of the world on, but I'm not really doing it in real life. I'm doing it on Google Street View. So it's me commenting on things that I've seen on Google Street View as Frank Spurgeon, the character who is uh, who's a bit of a character, shall we say. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm very pleased with that, and it's available. YouTube is another thing that I've come off. So the only place that you can see the Rabble Rambler video series is frankburton.co.uk. I'm sure I included a link to that. And obviously you've been talking about your book and it's on, obviously your book is on Bandcamp. It's also, they can do name your price if they want the audio book on that, or they can find it in sort of the five parts on the Ragbag podcast, but also they can buy it on Amazon and the other sort of uh, bookstores and things. And yeah, I mean, I'll make sure that I... Uh, in the intro and outro, I'll uh, sort of echo these things and I'll include links in the description. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's always great chatting with you, Frank. And, you know, keep writing because I love them. If they're oh, if only you. for me, if only for me, just keep on hearing it. I'm sure there are many other people who love it as well. But yeah, I really recommend anyone listening who wants something uh, quite cool to get your teeth into is, uh, yeah, check out the uh, Everything I Am. And also check out 100 because I think that's cracking as well. But um, yeah, well, as I say, Frank, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you and to catch up again and when you release your next book you have to come back on oh i definitely will yes absolutely stellar well it's been a pleasure uh thank you so much frank thank you and that's the end of the podcast thanks as always for tuning in guys coming up uh next week is probably going to be my chat with megan any non-regular listeners uh megan is my girlfriend who i also live with um i've had a chat with her couple months ago i think it was uh when there's like a gap in recording schedule so i had her on as a filler but it was still a really good chat 
Uh, and this week, what's going to be is we're going to talk a little bit about sort of isolation. We're not going to delve too deep into sort of COVID and that sort of thing. Um, but Megan's been really, really getting into Animal Crossing recently. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit. She's been getting into video games generally a bit more and things like that. So that'll kind of be the topic because she's never really been that into video games. But I have been playing video games. I think I got a Game Boy Color when I was about five. So, you know, talking about that sort of thing, talking about what we've been doing while in isolation, what some of the things maybe some other couples could do if you're struggling to find things to do, that sort of general stuff, just kind of, there's no specific thing that we've got written down, it's just a kind of, you know, chatty podcast thing, uh, with no subject matter, just kind of vague bullet points in a sense, and then after that, I'm recording another episode with the all-powerful Tony Farina, Tony has been on an episode previously, um, where we spoke about online education and that sort of thing, and if anyone checks out my other show called Star Wars Comics in Canon, on the feed of Comics in Motion, uh, Tony does have a show on there as well, it's called Indie Comics Spotlight, so I really recommend people go check that out. And then the subsequent weeks from there, I'm basically going to be getting on people who've either been on the show before or are a part of that sort of comics in motion group because it's just, it's a lot easier to get um, these interviews organized in this current climate all of these guys are really reliable and i've had them on before and i don't have as many stored in the bank so and i and a lot of the time now there's a lot less people listening to podcasts and what i don't really want to do is have a couple of the people on who i've been speaking with and have them on like an amazing chat and then a lot of people miss it not because they're trying to avoid the show or anything but myself as an example i'm barely listening to podcasts at the moment i primarily listen to podcasts on my commute to work it takes me about an hour or so to get there and back so i have like two plus hours a day of commuting which i listen to podcasts in where i'm just with megan and i'm not going out really except on a run which i only need a bit of music for for you know 10 20 minutes so i'm not really listening to podcasts as much so i thought uh, it's quite unlikely i'm going to be getting a lot of new listeners and it's more likely that a lot of you guys who listen every week are going to be involved so i thought it's kind of better if i have people who are reliable who are going to be more fun conversations not not that my conversations aren't always fun but you know sometimes i do have guests that are a bit more serious and ones that are a bit more you know it's quite hard to get the conversation going or that it's quite specific and it's bullet pointed almost to the t and it's exactly what they want to speak about and things which a lot of the time is fine because that's the conversation i want to have but in this current climate and things i'd rather be focusing on chats that are not only easy for me as an interviewer but also fun for me to be involved in and for you guys to listen to just some chats that have a point to them but are having a laugh and chatting about this that and the other and stuff so i've got a few lined up i've got one lined up with scott of the 20th century geek podcast and chris of comics and motion we can talk about wrestling because i have never really had an interest in wrestling i barely know anything about it i've played the uh, smackdown versus raw games a bit but apart from that i'm not really into it they are really into it and have recently launched a podcast so going to talk about wrestling and that sort of stuff because you know i'm always intrigued by things that i'm not involved in or don't have that much knowledge on wrestling is one of them i uh, also gonna have a chat with dave and i think max uh, max burn is of the mandatory marvel and dc comics podcast on comics and motion and dave is the other half of the powerhouse of comics and motion so i've got those ones lined up and a few other sort of twists and things there within that and i'm gonna to to speak to some other people to get them on the show again but that's kind of what you can expect from genuine chit chat going forward if any of you are really clamoring for a podcast or someone who's completely new and something completely different and things, please let me know. I'll try and track someone down, find something and have at least one podcast within the mix that is different and informative and that sort of thing that isn't specifically about coronavirus. But 
you know, if if no one's that fast and ever all you guys are really happy with it, then that's kind of what's going to be going on for the next few weeks, um, if not a few months, of just more chats that are fun with awesome people and other creators. So if you listen to my show or this one and you really like it and you're still trying to find other podcasts to listen to, over the coming weeks, it's going to be po- people who all have their own podcasts. So you're going to be able to sort of branch out and find more things to listen to. So that's basically what you can expect. Also echoing what I said in the intro, I am on the first episode of season two of the Room podcast. It's just called Room. And I'll include links in the description, which I think I've already done. And yeah, the first episode, it was released on April 8th. Um, You should be able to recognize my voice within that. I've done some other work for Aiden as well, but I won't go into those details until it's been confirmed when it's going to get released and stuff. So I've also been on the Ask Win podcast recently, as well as the Friends in Your Ears podcast. So links to those in the description as well. Be sure to go check those guys out and give those podcasts love. And that's more or less it for me, guys, except, as I've said, kind of touched on earlier, I have a podcast called Star Wars Comics in Canon. It comes out once a week, every Saturday, on the podcast feed of Comics in Motion. Um, I've done episodes on... It's kind of Star Warsy things, but through the comic book lens. So if you're not really interested in the comics of Star Wars, or rather you don't really want to have to spend time or money reading them, I kind of do overviews of some of the series, some of the key points in it. I had a bit more trivia and facts and stuff. Uh, one of the ones I did recently, uh, or as in yesterday, was the Captain Phasma uh, run of comics. Explains what she did between episode 7 and 8, like how she got out of the garbage chute that Finn and Han put her in, and how she didn't get found out of putting the shields down and those sort of things. And I also give a little bit of information about General Hux's history with Phasma, as well as a bit more detail about Starkiller Base, because a lot of people didn't realise it's actually Ilum, and Ilum is where uh, people used to, or Jedi used to get their lightsaber crystals from. So nerdy Star Warsy things. If you want a bit more Star Wars knowledge, but you don't want to listen to, you know, an hour-long thing of people, you know, talking about one scene in it or anything like that, all of the Star Wars comics and canon episodes are between 10 and 15 minutes long. They're quite easy to listen to. I try and keep them quite concise and things, and... I include links to, you know, I include descriptions and information about the comics and things if you did want to get your hands on them. And I do kind of link it to some of the uh, books as well. So that's my show that is on the Comics Emotion podcast. That's out every Saturday. Obviously, Genuine Chit Chat is out every Sunday. So lots to listen to, as well as the Ask Win room and Friends in Your Ears. So yeah thank you so much for listening guys i appreciate you listening especially to the end when i just ramble on about nothing (laughs) and uh yeah i hope you guys will stay safe i want you to know that me and megan are completely fine in lockdown and stuff everything on our end is fine no one we know has got ill or anything thank god so everything on our end is all fine so thanks for anyone who's been concerned about us so yeah stay indoors stay safe but try and stay sane as well because that's a big one Uh, i love each and every one of you especially for listening to the end and i'll talk to you all next week